1: Welcome in to the Inside Slant here on the Sports Objective. Our look at around week, I uh, can't believe this, the college football, the weekly games. And uh, with us right now, ladies and gentlemen, all the way from China Grove,
2: North Carolina, give it up for Bubba Rosenbaum. It's finally game week. Uh, this is what we've been waiting for. Uh, obviously, a very limited schedule this week, just seven games, but it's college football nonetheless.
1: You know, I can't believe how great our guest is, but he's so good. That the man that was boycotting our show until he was found out that Rennie is live, ladies and gentlemen, Matt Simenza. Listen, guys,
3: I was I was uh, very comfortable on the couch. I was watching a thirty for thirty on uh, Miami Hurricanes back in the day. Oh yeah,
1: the U. Yeah, <laughs> I lost oh, all really.
3: track of time. Dave said Rennie's coming on. I'm like, all right, all right. I'm gonna hop on. Even
4: though Rennie's
1: fired, very mad at me. Tonight.
4: Listen, I told them I wasn't doing the show unless you were here, Matt. So lucky, lucky you logged on. <laughs>
1: Man, he was getting ready to
3: build. I appreciate that. Rennie's going to be mad at me though, because uh, full full disclosure, Rennie, I I, I, uh, I had to pick against the UMass. Well, I know. I'm,
4: yeah. Hey, did you did you did you guys notice though? The line is shooting down all of a sudden, right? Do you guys see that? It was it started it was about nine and a half, ten, and it's at six and a half tonight. So uh,
3: what else? Nice. Yeah. I'll be what? cheering for him. I'll be cheering for him, but hey, we'll see. We'll see, buddy.
1: <laughs> hey, hey, stranger Stranger things have happened, for sure. So, uh, Rini, thanks for coming on tonight. Obviously, one of our favorite guests. And when we have you on, it's the summertime, but then also we always have you on around this time when um, I'm just – I don't know about you guys, but it's been a great week at work. The only problem with this week is this week seems to be dragging on because I love college football. And will the games ever get here? I know the coaches are like, Renee, they're going – Day, pump the brakes. We need a few extra days. They're never prepared enough. But for me, how about you? I'm just, I don't know what it is about the season. I have my thoughts. I'll share them with, with you guys in a little bit. But I just really feel good about the season overall for college football. I love this. I mean, this time of the year, obviously, week zero, you
4: guys touched on it. It's, it's, this is like an appetizer week, right? Just seven games, just kind of, you know, wet the whistle a little bit. And then, boy, when we get into week one, Five straight days of college football it, 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 that is the best, but yeah, I just think football, you know, and I know you guys feel like I do, and obviously, I'm biased because I think it's the best sport out there by far, but it's just it's it's the perfect you know build up right you come through summer and you just know football's coming, particularly college football, and now boom, week zero, it's here, and I just think it uh puts everyone in a good mood, you know. Today was, you know, week zero. I'm, I'm calling a high school game, a national high school game for ESPN. So I'm up in New Jersey. And just, you know, for me personally, it's just, okay, now I'm back in the rhythm. Travel, pack, you know, pack, say goodbye to the dogs, kiss the wife goodbye. I'm an empty empty nester. All my, my kids are in college. So to me, it's just getting back into that routine. And I love it, man. It just, it, it keeps me young.
1: No question. And with the, with the games uh, coming up, I think mine that I'm watching out for the most would have to be I'm going with uh, the one we could talk about, of course, uh, with Navy in Dublin against Notre Dame. It is something about that game. It doesn't have, obviously, I know it's not as big as Army, Navy, but guys, that is a huge, huge game for me. That's the one uh, coming up and on Saturday that I'm going to be watching and uh, that I care about, I think, the most. What about you guys? That's I'm definitely
3: with you on that one. I mean, uh, there are definitely some interesting storylines about that game. You know, I think Sam Hartman is a big one. Renny, I'm sure you have really high hopes for him as well. I mean, he's just such an awesome, dynamic player who can do it all and beat you with his arm and his feet. And then also on the Navy side, I'm intrigued by um, the the new head coach, Newberry, who I think is just fantastic. He was a fantastic defensive coordinator for many years, Rennie, I kind of describe him as like in terms of what he does, he's a master of, you know, pre snap movement and then the way he can disguise his coverages. I I just think he's an outstanding coach. So um, I think there's some intriguing storylines there.
4: And he's definitely the right hire. And we got to go back to that. You know, Ken Niamatololo was there so long and and the team, the players, and I spoke to some of them, they wanted Brian Newberry, uh, you know, elevated to the head coach. So it's a seamless transition there. So that part's going to be good. I, I, I'm with you, Matt. That defense, I think, is going to be tough. The question is offense. Now, he brings in an offensive coordinator from Kennesaw State, where, where he was. So the, the uh, very interesting thing offensively is they're still going to run the option, but it's going to be a different variation of the option. They're going to stretch the field a little bit more. Is that five, six, seven times a game? You know, I, you know, they're not going to go past crazy. But I think the tweak – uh, they'll tweak the option enough that it's going to cause some fit. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. And obviously, Navy being in the American, um, we have a vested in- interest. Obviously, I know you guys do with ECU. So yeah, I can't wait to see that one. And yeah, Sam Hartman, I saw uh, this week on social media too. He bought every player on the team uh, Beats headphones, I believe. Wow. So that's the that's the crazy world we live in, right? It's not usually you have to get an NFL signing bonus to do stuff like that. Now you can just do it with NIL money. So, uh, hey, good for him, though. Um, I, I'm sure his offensive linemen are going to block a little bit harder for him <laughs>
1: Saturday and <laughs> double hey, it. Hey, Matt, you know, it's like, uh, Rennie, I, I don't know if you know this, but do you know who – I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh-oh. And, Matt, you can bail him out. It's okay because you're buddies. Um, all right who, all is, right. who is Matt Cimento's sleeper team for 2023? We might have already mentioned them.
4: Like sleeper nationally, sleeper in the nationally. conference, yeah, nationally. nationally. Um, knowing that, uh, it's a sleeper sleeper. Like it's not, it's, you know, you know, give me I, a hint.
3: Let me. All right, I'll hint it for you. So when I I use the term sleeper, but I probably it's probably the wrong word that I use to describe okay. them. I think it would be more a team that and has deleted. an opportunity to make the playoff that a lot of people aren't
4: talking about. I mean, I'm going to throw one out there. It's probably not,
1: but I'll tell you who mine is, Florida State. That's, That's a great good one. one. That's a really good one. I love their, speaking of a former coach of the American, Mike Norvell, my gosh. Uh, I am glad that those fans were patient, just like Matt's second favorite team because he has to, he's married to a Florida Gator, Billy Napier. Um, I hope he, Gator fans are patient with him. I really like that coach a lot. Um, but uh, Notre Dame uh, is the answer
4: oh it's Notre Uh, Dame okay
1: fighting Irish and um, I'm really mad I like your I haven't had a chance to tell you off air or on air so I will now I love your pick because uh, I really you were talking about Sam Hartman man to me uh, we always talk about quarter quarterback play and Sam Hartman is the real deal they got a really good deal in Notre Dame and I know that um people always talk about they're kind of soft or they don't play the same type of football like the teams in the south but there's going to be a year and it might be this year that they can sneak up on some folks uh, what do you think rennie
4: yeah i mean i, I love sam hartman it, the interesting dynamic there and I, I it's my understanding that tommy reese was kind of one of the reasons why he went to notre dame <laughs> and now tommy reese is at alabama as the offensive mm-hmm. coordinator so We'll see if that, you know, how how that plays out. So there's so many, you know, and you guys know this, ever, more so than ever before, there are so many moving parts and so much going on in college football. It's just, it's kind of nuts, right? In in this world we live in. Yeah. I mean, even as an analyst, and I know you guys do it, I just sometimes you feel lost because you're just you try to kind of keep your hand and your eyes out on everything that's happening, and you just can't do it right. with NIL and the way players move teams and coaches are moving and, uh conferences are falling and teams are le- leaving conferences. I mean, it's just, it's crazy to try to keep your Paul, keep the, you know, your, your hand on the pulse of everything, but yeah, but uh, Sam Hartman is a great addition. And I, I agree with you guys wholeheartedly uh, first and foremost, you better have a quarterback that can play and, and lead your team and, and, and be dynamic because you're just in, in this, Day and age, you're just not going to win, in my opinion, with a subpar, mediocre type quarterback.
1: And by the way, uh, Kenneth says, one of our new viewers and listeners, Rini, he says he's going his pick is uh, Penn State.
4: But, and that's not a sleeper for a lot of people. See, you know, here's the thing, guys. I think there's that the core, and I would actually kind of put Notre Dame in that core, Matt. There's just that core 10, 12 teams where we kind of expect, right, the four to come right. out of there. What I hope that happens, like happened last year, is a team like TCU comes out of nowhere. Because to me, that makes it exciting, right? yeah. I don't know who the heck that team's going to be, but let's hope, you know, it happens again. And I think if it does happen, I think the conference it's going to happen from again is the Big 12. You know, could it be a Kansas State? I I think they have the ability to do it. You know, know, the the irony about the Pac-12, and I know we'll probably touch on it, is – this is probably their deepest uh, you know year in terms yep. of ho- how good their teams are. The problem is they're probably all going to beat each other up. I know I'm not the first person to say that a lot of analysts have said that, but they they all kind of play each other on the back end so they may just you know beat themselves up and, and play themselves out of it and not get someone in the CFP but it would be pretty fitting right um, since it looks like the conference is gonna go you know goodbye. Um, that that a, that a Pac-12 team could get in there and win it all the last Finally. year. That would
1: be something, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's that, that was one of my things. What about uh, USC? Uh, obviously, uh, with Lincoln Riley, you know, if Lincoln Riley, um, and we like him a lot, obviously, being from East Carolina and then going to Oklahoma and now USC, if the man could ever find a defense, they would, they would be up there with Georgia and Alabama. They would definitely be in the top four in the playoff contention every year. Me, what I have a hard time with is sentimental. You like Lincoln, but then you're going, man, you can't stop anybody.
3: Yeah. And that actually, let me ask you a question, Rennie, about yeah. that. Because, like, just from an X's and O standpoint, do you think with Lincoln's style of offense, the up tempo, high octane offense, you know, your defense obviously doesn't get much rest? Do you think you can ultimately field a good defense with that system? Because it hasn't the- worked out yet for him.
4: There's no doubt that's an issue, Matt, that, that plays into it. I've talked to defensive players. I've talked to defensive coordinators about it and they know, right. You're just, you're under the gun. You're on the eight ball. Um, you know, some of them, and, and I guess, and here's the counterpoint to that. If your offense is high octane enough, right. You know, where, where you're going to sco- score, 40, 50 points. Then as a defense, you can say, okay, you know, we can bend, we can bend. We you know we can give up 28 points, 32 points we just can't break where you know where we just totally you know get into a shootout where we're giving up 50 points defensive coordinators don't like that of course right um but when you have an offense like that as a defensive coordinator as a defensive unit you got to tell yourself okay if we can get you know two or three more stops than our opponent we're going to be okay because our offense is good enough we have to get those opportune stops and so that, that kind of happened to a lot of defenses in the last few years because of this really fast-tempo uh, offenses. Here's another thing, guys, and I don't know how, if you guys have talked about it yet, and I love it as an analyst because I just think the games have gotten too long, is the rule change now. the clocks? And, I, and I've been a proponent of this for years. The clock will not stop now after a first down until uh, it's under two minutes left in the first half and two minutes left in the game, which I love this rule. Um, uh, we just talked to Steve Shaw, um, who's the uh, coordinator officials of all the officials in the NCAA, and they, they said the studies that uh, they did was it's only going to cost uh, teams, you know, probably eight to 10 plays a game. I thought it would be a little higher than that, but they, they, they think from all the studies they did eight to ten. But I, I just love that fact. You know, a lot of people probably don't realize that the reason the clock stopped after first downs, is it just it was an antiquated rule. It was in there before the forward pass. So teams ran the ball every time. So you have to evolve. You know, it took us to 2023, but we got there. But I, And I think the flow is going to go better with the game. No more, I don't know if you guys, how much you, you looked at the rule changes, no more consecutive timeouts from a team, which I love. So the end of the game, end of the half, a team's got three timeouts. He's, he can't burn all three. You can only take one. Um, so and I like that rule too. So. And that just to get back to your point for, for the defense, I think uh, the clock running more um, is going to give less offensive plays. And I think that kind of helps defenses out a little bit, right? Cause defenses with, with the way these offenses go that you talked about Matt and just kind of the way the rules are, it's kind of slanted towards the offense. So I think the clock running now, I think benefits the defense a little bit, but yeah, it's, it's a great point that you have. It's a, it's tough when you when you're just that high octane offense it, it just puts a lot of pressure on the defense
2: yeah rainy you know? I, I, somehow i missed that about the no consecutive timeouts but that will make the end of games um a lot different because of you know the icing and the kicker situation
4: absolutely so and i and that, and that was you know one of the things was was just keep the flow going right and especially at the end of the half too he's just coach says oh I got three timeouts let's burn them all um so I just think I think that's a it's a good rule so I think the games are going to be a little more expedited which I love um and so uh, I think it's it's going to be for an interesting college football season for sure
1: yeah we I thought we had talked about that Bubba but uh, that rule to me I guess I'm a traditionalist and I love that rule um but you know what uh, we're still going to have a great college football as long my, my ultimate thing with college football, if they ever get rid of the kickoff, you know all that proposals I'm hearing about, you know I hope to God they never get rid of that. That's a big part to me with special teams and getting more players in, more experience uh, is part of the game. And I know that about the head-on collisions and concussions, but that, that's the one rule for me that is a breaking point for me. Not that I wouldn't watch college football, but I wouldn't have the same pizzazz. I wouldn't have the same enthusiasm for the game. Well, I can tell you that I've
4: heard nothing of it at all and even kind of even mentioned. So uh, if that happens, it's probably a long way off for the college game.
3: Yeah. Just real quick, just to jump in on that about the uh, the clock, you know, that's done wonders for MLB this year. You know, the the, the pitch clock. I mean, you know, Bubba, Randy, I don't know. Bubba, I, I brought him up to the Northeast this summer. How about that for a, <laughs> uh, a Yankees game? Dave couldn't make it unfortunately, but we took it a Yankees game. And in the past, it probably would have been a four-hour, four-and-a-half-hour game with the new pitch clock. We were out of there in like three hours, and it's just a better experience. I hope the same works out for college football in this case, that it's a positive thing. Um, You know, I guess we'll just have to see how it plays out, right?
4: And listen, for selfish reasons, I, I stand when I broadcast my games. Yeah, I mean, in halftime I'll sit down a little bit, but I'm usually just too anxious, too pumped up. So I stand, and I mean, you know, you you get done with the game, and you look, and you're like, you know, and you think the game went relatively good, and you're like, man, that was three hours and 42 minutes. And I'm thinking, (laughs) and and your legs are killing you, and I'm just thinking, it's too long, and I've done four-hour games. And so, you know, as an analyst, you know, when you get a Navy game, or you get an Army, or you get an Air Force game, you're like, yeah, two and a half hours, baby. We're done in two and a half hours. And so (laughs) I I think, you know, really – the three, th- they want to keep them under three and a half hours, is ideally, right? So, if you get a game it's three hours and fifteen minutes, you know, yeah, that's phenomenal. You get a three-hour game, phenomenal, and I think it's going to do that. I think it's going to, it's going to cut it down. Uh, you know, not a ton, but you know, if you can take 15, 20 minutes off a game, um, I, I think that does
1: wonders for it. And they can't do it by not selling commercials, so that's another well, problem they have. <laughs> <laughs> you got to, you got to pay, you got to pay the conferences somehow. Right. That's right. That's
4: right. Yeah. Mate.
2: Matt and I were sitting there at Yankee stadium and, uh, you know, seven Oh five first pitch against the Cubs. And we look at each other, we're halfway home. And the, and I I think I looked at the scoreboard board and the clock and it was seven fifty. I said, we've played half a game in 45 minutes. What in the heck?
4: <laughs> yeah. But like, like Matt said, though, it's done wonders for major league baseball because it, it was, it's just a long drawn out game but like now guys aren't walking around the mound they're not playing with the rosin bag they got to get in there and they got to pitch i love it
2: but dave brought up usc uh, usc opening this weekend at the coliseum san jose state brent brennan's done a heck of a job with the spartans yep uh, as you would expect though um 30 and a half point dogs there and uh, you know what do you, what do you see from USC? Obviously um, this weekend, I, I think Matt's what you, you took uh, San Jose state to them uh, in the points, but then um, you know, just the season on the whole, do you do you see USC putting themselves in the same situation they were last year where they were, went away from the playoff? I,
4: I mean, I do, I think they're going to be right in it, but like I talked about earlier, I mean, Washington's really good this year. Oregon's really good this year. Uh, you know, so uh, Utah once again. So again, I just think towards Ohio, Ohio State, Oregon State, right? Who's the the, the one school that's kind of getting shunned, right? Um, with Washington State, they got Jonathan Smith's got a good team this year. So I mean, that top half of the Pac-12 is really good, and I just think, Bubba, do they have a chance to come out of there? Of course they do. They're they're super talented, but. There's, they're going to earn it. If, if one of those schools from the Pac-12 gets out and makes it to the college football playoff, they will have earned it and deserve to be there wholeheartedly. It's going to be tough towards the end of that season, but obviously USC, when, when you have a quarterback like you do um, and, and the talent on your team, obviously you have the ability to come out on the backside. But it's it's going to be tough towards the back end of that season. Obviously, they're not this opening game. It's a good little start for them. I'm with you. I've done a I've done a handful of San Jose State games in my day, Coach Brennan. Great hire there, um, and he's done a tremendous job. But just this uh, good little tune-up for USC in this one,
2: right? No doubt. I mean, it's not if it's a matter of you know. In your opinion, do you think do you think they will? Uh, because <sighs> I, was, I was I was like you. I was looking at the the second half of their schedule, and uh, man, that's quite the gauntlet.
4: Yeah, I mean. Uh, I have to stick with what I what I said originally. I don't. I think they are are going to cannibalize themselves. I really do. So not to say they're not going to have a good season um, because they are, but I just think towards the end they're going to beat themselves up enough where they're going to keep them uh, keep someone from the Pac twelve going to the uh, CFP playoff the last year of four. Renny,
3: you know, not to jump ahead to to week one here, but you know we're talking about the Pac twelve. You mentioned Utah. Awesome game to look forward to next week against the Gators. This time in Utah, I think Utah blew that game last year. They had two yeah. uh, two opportunities inside the five yard line. I think there was a ter- maybe a fumble and a pick, if I recall. W- what are your uh, your thoughts on that game? That's
4: a yeah. Fun I-, I think it's one. Uh, I don't want to say have to win, but it's one if you're if you're a Pac-12 fan, if you're a Utah fan, you need to get this one right. You're at home. You get an SEC team, yeah, and it's Florida. Obviously, they're not the Florida of uh, Swamp Kings that everyone's talking about, right? That's been on uh, that's been on Netflix, Um, but it's still Florida, and it's still an SEC team. Uh, You talked about kind of letting it slide last year, so this is one I think they got to get. But you got to be careful because it still is Florida. There's still SEC talent there, and the other thing is you haven't really heard. I mean. Nationally, you haven't really heard a peep about Florida. There's no expectations there, right? You heard Graham Mertz wins the starting job. Billy Napier, you know, gets ahead of that. So uh, I don't know what to expect from Florida. I think we all know and expect Utah to be really good. The uh, quarterback position a little banged up, but you know that's football. You got to play. So I, right, but that's a great Week One Thursday night game. I mean, to start start off that week. Um, so I'm looking forward to, uh, to watching that one. I open up with the Hurricanes with Miami, so I'll be down. That's a Friday night game, uh, the first. So I'll be down in Miami watching that one, uh, either at the hotel bar or in my hotel room, for sure.
1: No doubt. Renny, really with, uh, with conference realignment uh, obviously going on, I want to get your thoughts on the latest. Uh, do you think Stanford and Cal go to the ACC, Oregon State, and Washington State, to it's going to be either Mountain West or an American.
4: Yeah, so, you know, I, I was been you know – I'm kind of like you guys, right? Obviously, I'm an analyst, um, but I'm a fan, too. So I kind of reach out to everyone I can to try to get, like, some inside knowledge. And I'm on Twitter or X, whatever we want to call it. And uh, ultimately, I just – whatever's going to happen needs to happen. Something is going to happen, guys. Those four schools in the Pac-12 don't – Let's not lose sight here. They do not have a schedule next year. There's no schedule for either for any of four of those schools. The conference, for all intents and purposes, all the other schools are gone. There's no schedule. So they have to get into a conference or go independent, but the independent thing's not gonna happen. So to answer your question, Dave, I do think ultimately, I think what's happening now is the presidents are meeting, they're talking, and let's, you know, let's be totally honest here. What happens is you you go to the to the T V partners and you say, okay, if X, Y, and Z is added, you know, what does this add to the contract? What happens? Okay, well, this is what we think our metrics say they're worth. But now we already know that these schools aren't gonna take full shares. They're not even gonna take a lot of them aren't even gonna take half shares, they're gonna take partial shares and they're gonna work it in their contract. And then it's just a it's just a numbers game, right? The school presidents look and say, okay, is it worth our while? And then for those schools too, okay, the travel, right? Gotta look at the travel. Okay. Travel for football and basketball, yeah, in and of itself, that's fine. It's all the other sports, guys. And now you gotta remember there's a ton of sports that uh maybe not a ton. There's sports in the Pac twelve, Olympic sports that get played there that aren't necessarily played in the ACC. So you you need to find those sports, homes. So there's a lot of things going on in the background. With all of that said, I do ultimately think my, my gut feeling, my gut feeling is Stanford and Cal end up in the ACC. And really, I think, you know, one of the carrots out there and, in, in, you know, Matt's a big Notre Dame game, Notre Dame guy. And you saw Notre Dame kind of, you know, perking up, talking about it, like trying to like say, Hey, let him in, let him in, let him in. My thing to Notre Dame would be like, okay, why don't you go in at football? And then, but that's one of the things because they're really aligned with Stanford. I think the ACC knows that, right? So ultimately, down the road, when Notre Dame has to go to a conference, and it's going to happen eventually, um, I think that gives the ACC another leg up for them to come in in football. So I think that plays into it. So ultimately, my gut is that those two do uh, become part of the ACC. Everything I'm hearing is SMU maybe going too. I don't think SMU uh, would have been one of this, is and this is totally just my opinion, just looking at it from the outside. I don't necessarily think SMU would have been one of the picks of the ACC. But lo and behold, the ACC or the SMU goes, "Eh, we won't take TV money for five years." I mean, when you lay that out to a conference, right? And it's it's a, it's incredible, right? What's going on? So. It would not surprise me one bit if we woke up tomorrow and Stanford and Cal get invited to ACC and go, and ultimately SMU goes as well. Now, it could just be the two and SMU could stay. Now to your other question, um, Oregon State and Washington State need to find a home, and it's very simple. It's either the Mountain West or the American. It's one of the two. I think uh, the American and the Mountain West are both going to their TV partners. We know the American right now is seven and change per school. It goes up a little bit. The money goes up a little bit because of the bowl game. Obviously Tulane got a near six bowl win. Um, and I think the Mountain West is around four, four and a half a school. So the advantage obviously is there with the American. Same thing, you go to your partners and say, if we add Oregon State and Washington State, you know, what does that do? Um, and then, then those two schools, the ball's in their court because they have to get into a conference somewhere Um, And we'll see what they uh, what they do.
1: What about it? We're going to put you on the spot here. What about East Carolina? What do we have to do? Uh, The only thing I was telling people is we have to win and win a lot of games. And that I mean, it's frustrating because we're in the ACC and an SMU gets in before us is really a slap in the face to those of us that are. I mean, we're very close to a lot of ACC schools. Uh, When you look at the geographic, I know geographic footprint doesn't uh, mean anything, but like I was saying last night on our show, we literally, every time we play at ACC school, we go to them, they come to us. It's a sellout. Sure. Well, and the thing
4: is, and you, and you guys know this now, um, everything's national. So when you're a conference, you ultimately say, okay, what market can I get in right to enhance us? And it helps recruiting. Well, SMU is right in the heart of Dallas, right? So, I'm sure. sure that plays a huge part into it. I mean, I know it plays a huge part into it. So, you know, unfortunately, the fact that you guys are in Greenville, right in ACC country, ultimately doesn't matter because you because you answered your own question because you're already in ACC country. Right. Listen, ECU just has to keep winning. You know, so there's a, a, and I know Matt loves stirring the pot on Twitter. I love it. I. I, I sit back and read all the, 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 tweets and posts. and I just, I just love listening to people and then I'll be like, Oh, look at this guy. And then I'll look and I'm like, you guys got seven followers and he's going
3: after Matt.
4: Um, but, um,
3: I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you find it entertaining. I, uh, I can't get carried away sometimes.
4: <laughs> yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta watch yourself in the position I'm in. I, I, I stay off. I just read. Um, but you know, there's some notions out there that eventually, you know, 64 schools or 80 schools will break off. Right. And and they'll go alone. Here's the problem guys. Okay. And no one, no one's, no one's really talking about this and I don't think people realize it. The same issue. Okay. The same issue that's causing this conference realignment. Okay. That same issue will prevent 64, 70 or 80 schools from breaking off. And that's the TV money. Because right now, the TV money is divided, right, from different networks into different conferences, right? It's broken up into conferences, right? We know that. We have, you know, the Big Ten and the SAC have moved themselves away, and that's what's taking off the ACC. And then, you know, the Big 12 jumped in there ahead of the Pac-12. The Pac-12 basically has imploded. We we know that. But for 64 teams, let's say, that say, okay, we're just going to break off well, all those conferences already have, you know, TV contracts and granted rights. It's just, you just can't break off and then say us, us 64, are going to do one. It just, it's, it's, it's not feasible right now. I mean, maybe down the road, um, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. So if, you know, as I look at it as an ECU fan, I honestly truly believe the American is in a really good spot. It's a good conference. It's getting good money. And if Mike Oresco can add an Oregon State um, and a Washington State, uh, that that would be like kudos to him in the conference. Um, And if he doesn't, you know, they'll go with what they got. And uh, I know, you know, you guys know the six schools they added. Not a lot of people know those schools. And I made this point before. I probably made it on this show. Conference USA, and you guys know this, did not have a good TV deal. You never saw any of those schools unless they were an, a visiting team. Now, Conference USA went ahead and did a TV deal. Matter of fact, ESPN, they have a deal with ESPN. So starting in about week four, you're going to see a Conference USA game of the week every Wednesday. I think every Wednesday night on ESPN. And then they they I uh, think ESPN, I think CBS. So they are, they're back linear, which is going to help them out tremendously. But the six schools that got at it, after this year and the exposure, they're going to get um, – from uh the ESPN deal with the American you'll you'll know those six schools uh easily around the nation and obviously I think UTsa watch out for them because I, I really think they have the ability to step in this first year and win the American but we'll see that's why uh that's why I love college football because you just
0: never know hey Renius is Kyle better hey, a better life than never um I told you I told you raininey uh, <laughs> you told me what the job was gonna be like.
1: Yeah, I told him uh, Matt. The only reason Matt came on is because Weenie uh, threatened to fire him, and Matt came oh. on. And then I said, Kyle will be on. He'll be late, and uh, you know he'll be on later on.
0: Yeah, well, that's you, you nailed it. Um, I uh, uh, talking about conference expansion. Uh, following it closely, obviously, like everybody else. Um, uh, everything I'm I'm reading really is pointing to Cal and Stanford getting that ACC invite tomorrow. I'm not sure about SMU. I don't know what you're yeah. hearing. Um, I really believe if SMU doesn't get in, I think Oregon State, Washington State will choose the American over the Mountain West if SMU is part of the equation with the American. Um, I Also, and there are a lot of rumors, I'm hearing speculation, if we get those two, then the next two targets would be Boise and San Diego State with a 2026 start date because of their uh, meteorite deal currently with the Mountain West in the huge exit fee kudos to the Mount West for having a strong exit fee um so I uh I, I hope it happens it would be nice you know we ain't gonna get our flowers we ain't never gonna get our flowers that just can't never happen but it would be nice not to get the manure for once and uh if we can come out of this thing with SMU and not lose anybody and then gain Oregon State Washington State and then potentially Boise San Diego State later um it would be great. Also, my point and to see if you agree with this mm-hmm. about Oregon State and Washington State, if they ever want to get in a Power Five conference again, if they play in the Mountain West on FS1 and CBS Sports Network, and getting you know exposure in Colorado, Wyoming, in, in markets they are you know just Western markets. I, I don't think it's going to work. I think if they ever want to get back in a Power <clears> Five <throat> conference, they're going to have to come to the American get East Coast exposure, continue playing on ESPN, get um get more money uh, despite maybe a little bit of increased travel, you know, cost. but the the path has been shown yet in the past, tw- a decade ago, TCU and Utah made it from the Mountain West to the, to the big 12, but into the Pac-12 at the time, Utah, but that hasn't happened in years. The path here recently to make it to the power five has been through the American with UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, and now SMU is being courted to potentially do it. So yeah. I, I see so if you agree
4: I can't I can't believe I'm going to say this. I, I agree with you almost 100%, Kyle, and I do. Well, so
0: uh, I can believe I, it, Randy. You're a smart man. Uh, <laughs> and, I,
4: and I think the reason – and I, listen, I love SMU. I ro- love Rhett Lashley. I did two or three SMU games last year. I love their facilities. They're in the heart of Dallas. I mean, they have a lot going for them. I think the reason they're in this – one, there's been a lot of politicking, right? We know that high-profile people from these universities have made calls. We know that, right? They got
0: a lot of money, and they can pay players yeah, but legally that,
4: now. That's the thing. I mean, the the rumor out there is that they're willing to go five years without seven. any TV money. That's why that, – that's seven, the biggest – Seven,
0: Rennie.
4: Seven. There you go. Yeah. I mean, so how do you not, right? How do you not listen to that if you're the ACC? You have to. So we'll see what happens. But I agree with you on the other stuff If if – uh, and, I, and I, you know, full disclosure, I uh, touch base with Mike Oresco. Uh, you guys know I'm a big Mike Oresco fan. Yep. Um, he knows what he's doing. He's worked really hard to, to build the conference, keep the conference together. He's been, listen, remember, he was the commissioner of the Big East when everything yep. went to crap back then. So he was one of the first commissioners that's gone through it. So he knows, former TV exec, he knows. Um, but I agree with you. If the American. Um, if Stanford and Cal go to the ACC, and the American can hold on to SNU and add Oregon State and Washington State, they are in a tremendous position. And I do agree with you. I think if you're Washington State and Oregon State, you say to yourself, "Let's let's broaden our footprint and let you know." Yeah, the, the travel is an issue, but I also know that these conferences are working real hard with these schools that are out west. If they do come to a conference where the travel is exorbitant than they're used to. There will be money. There'll be money funneled that way specifically for travel, and that's a way to give those schools more money and incentive. So you're not saying you're giving them more money than the other schools. You're just helping them with the travel. I know that's been a consideration, and that's going to happen, but if you're Oregon State and Washington State, broaden your footprint, your recruiting base. You're going to be able to go to Florida. You're going to be able to go to the Northeast. And listen, the travel really isn't as crazy as you think, right? You no, four, it's not. It's four not. schools but, in but Texas. Four
0: schools are in Texas.
4: Four schools in Texas. You got a school in Oklahoma. Yep. You got Memphis. Which I mean, yeah, you could you, – yeah, exactly. So, I mean, even for football, if you wanted to do divisions, you could do a West Division, and travel's not that bad. So, there's things you could do, although they probably wouldn't. They'll probably do kind of what the ACC does, your top – you know, because you want your top two teams in a conference championship – but you kind of do that rotating yeah, just thing do where divisions
0: for everything but football.
4: Yeah, and you know, you play your you know your three core games a year or four core games, however you do it. But I do agree with you. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not talking out of school here when we we know because it's all public record. The money definitely will be better in the American with that TV deal. We know that.
0: Do you so, think ESPN would would be willing to um, if we can if we keep SMU? Um, obviously, now they've they've shown that they have more value than uh, than previously thought. Um, we bring in Oregon, State and Washington State. Do you think ESPN would be willing to get in the room with the and give us a little? Bump? So this is
4: this is just my opinion. I know I work for ESPN. Uh, my opinion, no inside knowledge whatsoever. Yes, I do. I do because I think what you have to do is you say, okay, this is what we're going to add. You know, where does the value add? And yeah. you guys didn't. I know you guys know this, but. We didn't even talk about it. You bring in two, and I think this, again, my opinion, I think this is why Fox was so, um, so uh, hungry with the Big Ten in terms of, okay, we're going to get Washington and, and we're going to get Oregon, is you bring in some West Coast teams. All of a sudden you have that, that night, that window, right, that late yep. game window, which, listen, we all watch that window, whether we're laying in bed at 1030 at night and the game's kicking off in the West Coast, or we stay up and watch it. And it, and the funny thing is guys, it really doesn't matter who's in those matchups. We oh ESPN too.
0: This game's on. We watch those games, right? If, if this is a close game, I'm watching it.
4: Yeah. And so and so the argument was and I think that's what kind of hurt hurt Apple and some of the the direct to consumer because really for those late games, you're really unless you're a fan of that school, you're not going out of your way to watch that game digitally, you know. You're not getting a subscription. But if it's on your cable at 10.30 at night yeah. or 11 o'clock, and it's a good game, you're going to watch that damn thing. And next thing you know, it's like it's 2.30 in the morning. There's two minutes left in this game, but it's a great game. I can't go to sleep. So you add those two West Coast schools, you got all the time zones in there, right, yep. if you're the American. Yep. And and I, I don't know anything about programming, but I would have to believe that is a value, right? So I do think uh, Mike Oresco, if you could add those schools, I do think uh, he could renegotiate. And, uh, and and make a make a better deal. You know, the sad thing for the two Pac-12 schools is they're never going to get what they were going to get. And we we have all seen the reports. We we've, we've seen what the offer was. We know what they countered at, and now we know we know what happened. So yeah, um, I mean, sad. they told.
0: If you're you talking about going back to the ESPN deal?
4: Yeah, if the reports yeah. are correct, yeah, right?
0: They, the ESPN offered them thirty grand and or thirty grand. Yeah. <laughs> thirty million per school, and uh, they wanted fifty million per school.
1: That's crazy. They should have kept, They should have taken that.
0: Yeah, and that then, was a year ago. That was a and year then ago. and then look
4: what happened yep. right after that. Brett Yormark said, "I'm going to cut the line. I'm going to go ahead and negotiate ahead of time before my contracts up, and he gets his schools that thirty one million. And the Big Twelve is, you know, the Big Twelve. I understand the ACC's issue because the the Big Ten and the SEC are making so much money. But hey, I mean. There's nothing you can do. You know, everyone kind of scoffs at the ACC. Their, their contract goes up every year, okay? When you add in the bull money and everything else, I mean, those schools are still making 37, 38 million yeah, a year exactly. when it's all said and done. It's nothing yes. to sneeze about. I get it. It's not 60 and 70 million. I get that. Um, but they're still strong, number th- the number three conference in, you know, the, in, the, in the Big 12 sitting there at 31 million and so they're okay, and so now everyone else is kind of jockeying for that position. But but to get back to your question, Kyle, I do think Mike Oresko, if he could add those two schools, can get more money for his conference and position himself real well. Now, as far as what happens with Mountain West uh, down the road, who knows, but I I can tell you the American will be sitting in a good, good position if they can add those two schools.
0: We we all know San Diego State would give their their firstborn child to get out of the Mountain West, so – if well, we they, were, the they, were, they were were they were almost
4: thing. they were almost out prematurely, yeah. and it would have hurt them. So, yeah. everything happens for a reason.
0: I I just you know I, I look at the Apple money, and I've heard anywhere that it was going to be between eighteen and twenty one million first goal. Um, so, if if ESPN could get this thing up to ten to twelve million first goal, we're sitting at seven to nine million now, and uh, let, I, that would be pretty close. Let's not it's forget.
4: Close, yeah. Let's not forget when Mike Orska was the commissioner of the Big East, right? San Diego state was going to the B yeah, East, please, and state was as well. Correct. So, yep. And that was a while ago. So th- th- there's players in play here. Yep. There's things in play here that kind of history repeats itself, right? Um, maybe it doesn't happen the first time around. So uh, we shall see.
1: Yep. I'm excited. I'm very excited about uh, what's going to happen, but uh, let's go back to uh, something that's more imminent that we know that's definitely going to happen. And that is, Week zero, Bubba. I know there's uh, more matchups. You have that uh, Ohio and San
2: Diego. We were talking just talking yeah. about the Aztecs. Good game. Yep. Yeah, in San Diego State's opening Snapdragon Stadium. I'm um, very interested to see see that. Uh, have looked at it some during the construction process. But you know, you know Reini, what do you think about that matchup? Some people think that that will be probably perhaps the most competitive or one of the most well, competitive. Uh, the yeah, the lines. State. The
4: lines. The line's two and a half. Uh, Ohio is always seems to be, you know, it doesn't matter what year, who's coaching. You know, Ohio is always competitive. I've done a bunch of Bobcat games. And, yeah, I think that is going to be a fun, fun matchup. You know, I don't know the intricacies of both those teams, but I do know both those programs are playing good football. They're playing good football at the right time. And I'm with you, Bub. I can't wait to see that new stadium, new excitement out there at San Diego State. But,
1: yeah, that that's a game definitely to watch. Uh, this opening week zero. In fact, especially when you have a, a team in the MAC that's really good, like Ohio, a team in the Mountain West, is, uh, I think San Diego State is very underrated. And like Bubba said, I forgot about that, Bubba, the new stadium opening up. We're, we're all like stadium nerds. I don't know, really, if you are, but we love uh, our stadiums, and I'd forgotten all about that. Uh, for some reason, Bubba, I was thinking that it was a year out. I didn't realize it was going to go ahead and open up.
2: And something else of note, uh, as you look at these games as a whole, I think out of the seven games,
0: you have, least,
2: you have at least four of the seven that have over-unders of less than 50. Oh.
0: I thought you were going with the Conference USA uh, tie-in. Well, that about half of them are Conference USA schools playing at them.
2: That's true as well. But, uh, you know, on that note, uh, let, let's head to uh, Jacksonville, Alabama, Um Rich Rod and the Gamecocks making that transition to FBS and they're hosting the UTEP minors. Um, UTEP is the slight you know, one and a half
0: point favorite last I saw really just one and a half point. That is surprising to me.
2: Yeah. I
4: mean, and Rich Rod, they, they were, they were good last year, another year under his belt, more scholarships to work with. And yeah, so that, that's, that's a fascinating game right there. Just out of the bat for Jacksonville state. Right. Um, to get a chance to take on UTEP. And uh, so, yeah, one and a half. I, that kind of surprises me as well. But, uh, yeah, another interesting one to watch. It, By the way, guys. Was,
3: because it was even a few days ago. So, now it's mm-hmm. moved. And uh, I, I do – I like Jacksonville State in that game. They have a lot – I think they have 16 starters coming back, if my memory serves me right. Wow. In addition to the quarterback. Wow. And, and, and you know, Rich Rod. You know, I, like I think him. he's gonna have them ready to go. So I, that's my uh that's one of my upset specials for the and you guys
4: you know with the portal too, I mean the, the the talent discrepancy, it just isn't what it used to be, you know, five, ten years ago. I mean you can you can add talent to a team
0: quickly. Yeah, dana Holgerson in year number I believe four at UTEP, maybe five. Uh he's had one really good season there. The rest have been very subpar. Uh if he drops in the new version, Conference USA, whatever version we're on now, Conference yeah. USA. Um, if, if, if they lose to Jacksonville State out the gates, uh, he, he's probably on the hot seat.
1: Could be, uh, guys. One of the things I was reading an article real quick, going back about the PAC 12 really fast. Uh, you mentioned FBS and it triggered a memory. I was going to, uh, something I was going to say, I didn't realize this. I'd forgotten it, but in order for the, uh, for those teams to stay FBS, with only four, when it's less than eight, you only have two years to get it done. Without a TV contract, I was going to add that about the Pac-12. I know it's probably a moot point, but uh, we were talking earlier about Oregon State and Washington State. They want to keep uh, the Pac-12 brand. I get it, but um, you could you could lose your FBS status if, now, if they want to, if
0: they want to merge with the Mountain West or the American and then call it right. the Pac-12. I'm all for that.
1: I'm agree with that. I'm hoping that we we could. Uh, get up to maybe 15 million i heard if uh potentially 15 million if we could get the those teams and that was and that's i think even without stanford
0: and cal i don't think we'll get that much but it, it'll it'll be more it, if
3: it puts us in a better financial situation fellas call it whatever the hell you want <laughs> the yeah. packs tw- i mean whatever it is um we're pack kinda- american I I just don't
0: see. I I actually like that idea, the Pac American. I thought some rings. Well, how about the Pacific American Conference, and the acronym would still be Pac. Yeah,
3: yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: But uh, that's
1: what I thought too. I just
0: don't think Washington State and Oregon State have much bargaining. I mean, I know you want them both the American and and, and in the Mountain West, but for crying out loud, it's Washington State and Oregon State. I mean, I, I don't see them in the position with no media rights deal. To be telling anybody anything, um, they're they're going to they're either going to go to the American, if Stanford and Cal go, they, those two are either going to the American or the Mountain West. Now, I, I do think the Mountain West schools might be willing to uh, fold that conference and all merge and call themselves the Pac-12. But I just you know, and, and another thing that you know, I, I, and I want to get Randy's opinion on this. But, you know, we talked about go and the American, um, the Pac-12, or excuse me, the Mountain West commissioner. She's in her first year. Craig Thompson, I guess, finally stepped down. Um, And she came from the Pac-12. So she's going to have some familiarity with Oregon State, Washington State.
4: Yeah, no doubt. I've heard great things about her. I don't know her personally. And, (laughs) excuse me, all these uh, conference commissioners, they're all trying to do what's best for their conference, right? But then the schools and the school presidents and the ADs, they're all trying to do what's best for their universities. And so – you know, it's just kind of this, you know, just weird position we're in. You know, I, I had a conversation with Mike Oresco when I was in Dallas. And, you know, when he said it, too, he goes, listen, this is the this is the climate we're in. Uh, it's not personal. He goes, it wasn't personal with me, uh, with UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. And they weren't personal back. It was, you understand, you're amicable. No. He goes, you just do what you have to do. He goes, and then look at, he goes, um he's friends with the conference USA Commissioner and he goes, and we ended up taking six of their schools. So he's like, and they understand. I mean, it's just it's a nature of the beast, right? Everyone's just trying to do what's best for their conference, their university. And uh so I, I'm fascinated though, but I'm with you, Kyle. I think there's a lot of upside to uh to to Washington State and, and Oregon State coming into the American, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, and, I, and, and and we'll I don't know how much we want to talk about this first week zero games, but I will say this. Um
4: well, we got to talk about UMass and New Mexico well, we State, will, I, mean, I, I can't get off the call without. Yeah, we, saying, we definitely
0: will, but I do want to. I do want to say, um, say this: the um, got You made me lose my train of thought, or anything. So, you,
4: <laughs> realignment. I, you're talking I, about realignment.
0: I, 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 know, I Now I have totally. It has totally escaped my brain. It was a good point too, um, I, but it's it's gone now. Maybe it'll come back. We'll, we'll move right. on to New Mexico State and UMass. And that should be another good game. And, and I believe that's a primetime ESPN game.
1: 7 o'clock, yellow. There it is on the screen, ESPN. And, Rainey, are you going with the Minutemen or New Mexico State? I'm putting you on the spot.
4: So, I did New Mexico State's last game. I did them in the quick Lane Bowl where they won. They beat Bowling Green. Uh, so, they ended up with seven wins. So, the funny thing is, the whole time I'm, I'm, I'm prepping for New Mexico State in that bowl game and watching them, I'm thinking – that is what UMass can do you know so new mexico state new coach and jerry kill you guys know jerry kill uh was at minnesota for a long time and he goes there and he just he turns it around they get to a bowl game cuz you know obviously that's what UMass's goal is and you know obviously new mexico state was independent they're in the conference usa now so it's kind of the blueprint that that, that the minutemen are kind of looking at um i'm a homer i like UMass in this game i do um not only they're on E1, the national game uh, week zero, uh, Kyle, they're on E1 week one at Auburn, too. So if you're, if you're UMass, if you can get this win, if you can go on the road, it's not going to be easy. If you can go on the road and get this win, all of a sudden everyone goes, holy cow, then you go to Auburn, no one expects you to win that game. You're playing with house money. I think Auburn's paying about $2.1 million for that game. Speaking of money, so then you get some money and bring it back to your athletic department, and then you get ready for your home opener against Miami of Ohio. So it's a it's a really important game for UMass. I don't want to say it's a must-win because it's the first game of the season, but it almost feels like a must-win. Um, Donnie Brown is a good coach. He's a tough, hard-nosed coach. To Matt's point, we're talking about offenses, um, you know, kind of ruling the roost. Uh, it's opposite with Donnie Brown. It's old school. He, he, his defenses are dominant. UMass's problem is they couldn't score any points. Well, he went and hit the portal hard. Their QB1 is a kid named uh, Tyson Pumichon. He was a four-star. You guys might remember the name. He was a four-star. He went to Clemson. Didn't work out at Clemson. He went to Georgia Tech, and now he ends up at UMass. The kid is really a good quarterback. Um, and you have to – we talked about it with Sam Hartman. You need to have a quarterback in position first and foremost before anything else. He got a lot of skill players in the portal. Hopefully, they gel. And then his defense—he—he he probably has legitimately fifteen or twenty guys on that roster that were power—that f- were on power five programs. So say what you want. Say they're at Arizona, Michigan, they should be able to play. So I think it's going to be a really good game. And you know the spread you guys have seven. I saw six, six and a half today. So I think it's going to be a good game. And I think UMass ha- if UMass can score points. Uh, I think they can win the game. For UMass, it comes down to their interior line play offensively. They had issues at offensive line play. If that offensive line can be improved, uh, their defensive line I think is going to be good. They have a really good chance. Uh, New Mexico State lost some people uh, up front. So something to watch in that game. But obviously, I'm going to be on the air. Uh, Murphy's Law, right? I'm going to be on ESPN2 at the same time opposite of that game calling a phenomenal national high school game but I'll I'll have my phone out I'll be I'll be cheating watching at the same time well maybe not the same time during timeouts
0: yeah ready? Yeah. I'll be pulling for
3: you buddy you know I I have to you know support the northeast teams when I can so uh Thank you
4: Matt you know
3: uh even even though I picked against you, brother
4: That's uh, okay <laughs> you well know, you know. listen you know you got you, you go with your heart for emotions but you got to try to go with your head when you're gambling I get that
1: Hey really yeah. he's uh, yeah. he's hey, also a fan of He's a fan of uh, UConn and Charlotte. Those are his two schools. Listen, uh, listen. Uh, oh, hey, oh, man.
4: Ben, hold on, hold on. I know you guys don't like. Charlotte. I'm a Biff Pogey fan, man. The guy sold me. I don't care if you guys don't like him or not. I think he's a breath of fresh air. Right, we'll Randy, see. I,
0: I, I have determined Biff Pogey is either is either a genius or a lunatic. I'm not well, sure.
4: Hey, it, I love it. Right, we're going to find out. Uh, right, he.
0: he I, I got a feeling he'll either. Win eight gangs in his first year or he'll be fired after two years. There's gonna be no in-between.
4: Listen, the seven new coaches, you know, not new new coaches, but seven new coaches to programs in the American. I think that's a great storyline as well. They're all uh, you know, name people. Uh Tom Herman down at FAU. I yeah. can't wait to see what he does. That's kind of a sleeping giant sitting down there. Trent Dilfer, UAB, very outspoken. But yeah, but uh yeah, Biff Pogey, you know, I, I just uh yeah, I like him. So it's gonna be uh, It's gonna listen. It's regardless, guys. It's gonna be a fun year in college football, and it's gonna be a fun year in the American. No doubt about it.
0: Yeah, no no, no, doubt. Go ahead. ahead, Well, I have a thought that I wanted to bring up earlier that flipped my mind, and it goes back to Congress realignment. And we'll just I'll mention this, and then we'll get back on subject. But we were talking about you know Oregon State, Washington State choosing the American or the Mountain West. I also think ESPN and Fox are gonna have a lot to say about that. I think whoever wants to up the contracts the most for the Mountain West and the American. BDSF or or Fox will probably end up with Oregon State, Washington State.
4: Yeah, no, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. And but we all
0: know, and I don't know if I don't know if it makes a difference or
4: not. The American already has a jump, you know, head start. They're already making more financially, already making more money. And again, I just think I think the programs in the American and the geography. Yes, there's some travel, but I just think that enough. Well, I think it opens horizons for your recruiting, not just athletic recruiting, but just recruiting for your universities. In, in in total right if you can show your brand in florida and bring your brand to texas and the east coast and the carolinas right um yep, i just absolutely. i just think it does wonders for your for your brand uh for your university in total in, in total so that I'm, I'm sure that plays into the process as well with these two universities but we'll see we could listen we all could be dead wrong tomorrow or next <laughs> week I, but i do i will i'm gonna stand by this i think within the next week to two weeks? I don't even think two weeks. Within the next week, I think we're going to know. I think there's going to be some uh, finality here in the next week. Maybe in tomorrow.
1: Randy, the, the the school to watch out for. They don't have enough votes right now. They're down to one. If they can get NC State, they got to flip. NC State is a school. And what if NC State continues to say no? Well, I mean that, that's I the think you, yeah yeah. I, think I mean build the pack
0: twelve.
4: That's yeah. That's the issue. Then you then you then they have to go back and build the pack pac twelve, and I know Kyle said we were going to get off this, but here's the problem. Oh,
0: I'm you know, going to talk about it all night. I thought where, where, to talk where? About you know,
4: I'm looking <laughs> at it, Devils. You know, where do you build the Pack twelve up again? What schools, right? You have to pillage the American, and you have to pillage the Mountain West again. We know the Mountain West schools aren't leaving this year. It's thirty-four million dollars. Right. We already so nothing's going to happen. It, it, it's just it's
0: it's it, it's the, a the messy the situation. The ACC yeah. for the American with 24 months' notice is $10 million, But with, with 12 months' notice is $20 million. With less than 12 months' notice, I don't know what it is, but there's penalties. Correct, um, yeah. There, 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 there is a rumor that Tulane, SMU, uh, Memphis, and South Florida have told Stanford and Cal and Washington, and Oregon State that if Stanford and Cal don't get the ACC, that those four would come and just pay the fees to, to leave. Now, I don't know how much truth there is to that because – you know, when you got people like OSU Beaver, by the way, let's call it OSU Beaver on Twitter for what he is, a lying piece of crap who's just trying to click <laughs> and people to his Twitter handle. So screw you, OSU Beaver. And another guy wants to have to screw you, too. And even though he's legitimate media, uh, I think he post a bunch of BS. And when you cancel on us and then we catch you doing another podcast at the same time, when you had a family emergency, Jim Williams. So I will give you the big bird too.
1: <laughs> hey, really, we're on the Paul Finebaum show now. <laughs>
4: well, here's the other it. thing too. I mean, and, but that, that's why those four schools hired Oliver Luck, right? Because ultimately, all these, and I'm sure they have. It's probably like a, a, a those four schools. It's or, or those four schools, but those schools individually with Oliver Luck, it's probably like a draft war room, right? Hey, if these schools get at it. You know, what can we, what, what do you think we can get from these networks is at the end of the day, yeah. that that's kind of what it's about. So, um, yeah, depending it's be fascinating
0: ask, depending on who you ask or um, I've read that he's working for all four. Then I've also read that he's only working for Oregon state and Washington
4: state. Yeah, I, you're right. And I don't know either. I have no idea. You know, I am with you, Kyle, you kind of see what's on Twitter. You kind of believe none of it, maybe a little, of it. I, you, we'll know when we know, you know, so, uh, one thing's for certain, though. Something's going to happen. So yeah, we'll you, know. You
0: can, you're starting to get to the point now, as it's been going on for a few weeks, where you can read between the lines of what's BS and what's real and what happens yeah. and what doesn't.
4: And I don't know if you were on the call earlier, Kyle, and I made the point. Something's happening because those four yeah. schools do not have a schedule next Correct. year. There's Correct. no schedule. So they have to make a move uh, and relatively quick. And really, the only way to fill your schedule out the way it needs to be filled out is to join a conference. Exactly. You're not. You're not doing it independent.
0: Uh, this no, late I, in the game, you're just not. I think we'll know about Cal and Stanford and SMU tomorrow, and then probably the other two by early next week. And cool. I told,
3: I actually told you guys a few weeks back when the ACC originally um, turned down Cal and Stanford, the politicians would get involved. I just yep. had a feeling. Once the I politicians- agreed. And you have some very powerful people you're talking about that reportedly have gotten involved, people like Condoleezza Rice. There's there's even a rumor that George Bush Jr. got involved. Tiger Woods. Woods. I mean, you're talking about people with major influence, major voice. Um, I don't – that's why – and we know how this country is. Once politics get involved in something, forget it. It's over. Um, That's why I feel – I agree. I think within the next 48 hours, I think most likely you're going to hear – cal and stanford to the acc and you know personally i don't think cal brings very much value but it's they have to have a travel partner so it's it's
0: probably going to go down that way what if it ends up being being stanford and smu and cal get left out
4: uh, you you just you just never know but but getting back to the point uh, these schools and not only the schools these conferences they don't they don't want this you know, just mess, they just don't want it out there, right? They want it done and over with. They don't want to go into a season not knowing what their future holds. So that's why it's going to get done one way or the other somewhere.
0: No, I agree. And it's, you know, we talk about all the politicians and athletes with Tiger Woods getting involved, but I don't blame them. Um, When all this started and I first started hearing SMU to the ACC, the first thing I said was that our administration needed to contact our governor, Roy Cooper, and tell North Carolina and North Carolina State, as state-funded institutions, if the ACC was going to add anybody from the American, then North Carolina and North Carolina State could not vote yes unless East Carolina was included. Now, I will tell you, those were two of the four no votes, so maybe they did that. And uh, they may keep voting no, because I guarantee you they're not going to put East Carolina in the ACC. So uh, it won't <laughs> get us in, but it'll keep SMU out. Uh, the the other thing um, that I suggested, and, and Tiger was getting involved, I suggested we have a very famous golfer, by the name of, oh my God, Harold Varner the third, Harold Varner the third, HB three, who um who's African American. Well, that's a very limited pool of professional golfers that are African American, and uh, gotta figure he's friends with Tiger Woods, and uh and I suggested, why don't we have Harold reach out the Tiger? This is when you know we thought Stanford was going to rebuild the Pac twelve, and I said, why don't we have Harold reach out the Tiger? And you know, yeah. See if he can put in a good word for East Carolina. You know, you, you resolve all resources in these situations, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: I mean, we're going to have to – it's going to be fascinating, to say the least. It used to be an off season. There's no off season now in college football. It's uh, 24-7, 365, but that's why we love it. Uh, what about any more games, Bubba? I know that we kept kept
0: uh, – Have, like, have you all talked to FIU Louisiana Tech? Not yet. That's where I was.
2: That's where I was headed now. And down the down to Ruston, Louisiana. Second year of Sonny Cumby. Obviously, they parted ways with Skip Holtz after a three and nine year, but uh, many close calls in that season. Last year, they as well. I uh, went three and nine, lost a couple mm-hmm. games in overtime, also got blown out a considerable amount. So very What's the line, Bubba. Very interesting game there. Um, is La Tech by 11 and a half. So um, last Ooh. year, that was one of FIU's four wins. Uh, obviously. Give
0: me FIU with the with the points.
1: So. What's the line
0: what? again, Bubba? 11 and, like a a half? 11 and a half. What's
4: coach McIntyre is a good coach down there at FIU, and you know it's not an easy place, right? Uh, but you're in Florida, and you're in Miami. You're going to get some recruits. You're going to get talent on that team. You just got to coach them up. So, yeah, you know watch out for FIU
0: Eleven and a half and half cool. particularly' seems a lot they must have lost a lot off that team because yeah and I don't know, and I, I don't
4: team. know we we talked about this earlier too Kyle this I, I, as an analyst I almost feel lost this year because you're trying to keep your hand on the pulse of everything yeah, and it''s, yeah, just, it's, all it's impossible man. to keep track of yeah, yeah. what quarterback went where what coach went where I mean it's it's
0: it's actually crazy yeah and, and, and right now is when you should be trying to catch up but conference expansion's got everybody's attention. Listen, so. I can't
4: I, wait. So I've been on this, I've been on with you guys over an hour, and I didn't even add, I need some personal information. Is Mason Garcia going to be the starter for ECU? Yeah. Yes. Has, has he been named QB1?
0: Yes. At, okay. As, as, so, at, he, he, he has not been named. He was named. He, Mike Houston said at the luncheon that he was going to start against Michigan.
1: Yeah, he's starting. Okay. Yeah, he's he's starting. Uh, the deal is, uh, Rini, that... Unless I of, was
0: lied to by multiple people,
2: Bubba. No, he, he didn't oh, say that. I was
1: there. Well, I hadn't,
2: I, was... I hadn't heard anything about the luncheon, but I, I just oh. knew that uh, what I had heard in press conferences, he had not come out and said that. I, I mean, I I fully agree, but um, I just had not heard it definitively.
0: Yeah, he, he said it at the luncheon that he was going to start, but I do expect we'll see him and Flynn both play.
1: Yeah, but uh, Flynn has had a really good... Uh, spring game and he had a really good uh, summer and then he had a great uh, fall camp so out of respect to Flynn you don't just say well, well Garcia you have the job when the guy has been he his game is really the difference he has really improved and Mason has too but I think the uh, people were really surprised about how much Flynn improved he learned basically he knows the playbook extremely well and so does Mason because. You have a kid like Holton Aylers that's there for 10 years. So um, not really. F- it's more like five. But uh, Mason, the fact that he stayed, a lot of people thought he was going to leave. He's a four-star guy. Flynn is a guy that puts a lot of work in and has talent, too. I think the difference, though, is really that when you look at Mason Garcia, he's a dual threat. People don't yeah. talk about that enough, that he's in similar with uh not the same as Aylers, but I think his athleticism
0: is going to really no, shock I think people. Exactly. More similar to David Garrard, if you want to compare him to a yeah. pirate quarterback, he's a big kid who can run. He's got speed, and he's got a cannon. He's got he he's got all the physical attributes to be an SEC quarterback. The question is is how is his football acuity? How is his awareness? How is he between the ears? And that's where Flynn does have it. Flynn does not have the the athletic ability that Garcia has, but he's extremely intelligent. Um, so, uh, I think I Garcia, I think Garcia will end up being the quarterback, um, over time, but I got a feeling early in the year. We're going to see him both.
1: Flynn is a great insurance policy. So if something happens to Garcia being these, a dual threat, <laughs> then it's nice to know you have a guy that can come in and I, I hate to use a term and Matt probably will I hate me for saying this, but a game manager. I think that Flynn's more of a game manager. I hate that term, but I can't think of a better way to describe Flynn versus Garcia. Um, why but, would
0: Matt? Why would Matt kill you for using that term? If you don't like it?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I was just saying that. Dave, uh,
3: I'm very I'm upset. Very upset with you. No, I'm just
1: kidding. Okay, um, I'll go to timeout right now.
3: <laughs> but I'll say this, guys. Like, and, and Rennie, just one thing to to note. Like, for ECU this year, in my opinion, I think, I think you'll see this team. This is going to be a team that improves as the year goes on. They might, you know, early in the season you might see a product that's that's unfinished. You know, it's it's a type of team. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of new faces, but there is talent. And I think a lot of people, you know, when you read all, you know, you know the magazines and whatnot, it's kind of underestimated talent. But there is talent, and I think it just might take a little bit of time, you know, to come together.
1: Kyle has said it many times, and I will give you props, Kyle. Um, I know the, uh, this is like the Eagles, the hell freezes over because I'm giving you props, but he makes a great point. Uh, it's going to be a tall task for the Michigan game, but week two and week three are going to define, uh, maybe not the season, but it, the trajectory of how, you, how do you get to a bowl game. When you have uh, week two home against Marshall, week three on the road against App State, those two games really are, are, are really tough right behind that Michigan game you got to win one or two, but, man, if you could win both of those games, uh, that sets you up pretty the rest of the way. Yeah, no, I agree
4: with you, and uh, I'm probably not supposed to say this, but what the hell, it's 11. Well, I don't even know what time it is. Uh, I'll be doing my homework because a little birdie told told me I'll be in Greenville September 9th, so uh, I'm looking looking forward to that game. Looking forward to that game.
1: we got a tailgate with us, Rennie. We're right outside the stadium with your buddy Patrick Johnson. We're not too far from P.J., well, uh,
4: I will say this. I will definitely say hi to you guys. So, okay. All right. That's for sure.
1: All right. We'll have the inside scoop. Well, Renny, before we let you go, I know it's uh, hard to believe over an hour, but I appreciate the, the visit goes by way fast. Every time you come on, we have, like, fun. Uh, maybe one time we can do it some pirate beverages. But uh, can you tell us uh, what you got coming up, and how can people follow your work?
4: Yeah, so obviously uh, Twitter, Renny Angolia. Uh, I got, I'm on Instagram now because I guess you have to be uh facebook i got a, a a facebook page that i'm trying to push out there i have a couple facebook pages but my one espn one where i'm going to try to put behind the scenes content on there this year of my travels of stuff going on in the booth before the game during the game all just kind of behind the scenes stuff try to push that out there for people they seem to like that i mean obviously that facebook page is just Rini angolia uh very easy to find Um, And then uh, this Saturday night, really big high school game, number third-ranked team in the nation, IMG Academy from Florida playing the number 10th-ranked team, St. Joe's Prep here in Philadelphia. Um, In this game, guys, quickly, there's over 30 players from both teams that are three stars or above. The number one-ranked player in the nation, uh, Ellis Robinson. He's number one in the ESPN 300. He's a defensive back from IMG. Shocker, he's already committed to Georgia. Um, but he's a five-star, he's got a five-star teammate by the name of David Stone, big defensive tackle. He's actually going to commit during our game, so who knows where he's going to go, but a ton, <laughs> a ton of talent in this game. Um, so that that's Saturday night on ESPN, at uh, ESPN 2 at 7 o'clock, and then, as I said, week one, um, Friday, September 1st, it's really a standalone game. I don't think there's much on at that time. Friday night, 7 p.m., ACC Network, uh, the battle of Miami's uh, Miami of Ohio is going to play Miami, Florida um, yeah. in the ACC. So that that'll be a fun. That's actually a, a really good opening week game because uh, Chuck Martin's group at Miami of Ohio always play tough. They don't shy away from tough opponents. And obviously Mario Cristobal in the Hurricanes need to need to bounce back after last year. We'll see what Tyler Van Dyke does. And they went out transfer portal uh, recruiting five star totally revamped their offensive line to the Hurricanes, which needed a lot of help. So that should be a fun game. And, again, that's Friday night, uh, September 1st, ACC Network at 7 p.m.
0: Hey, Randy, quickly uh, get the word out for us. Uh, This Monday, me and Bubba debut on a new show called The Coach's Kid. Each week we're going to be talking to a famous head coach's uh, son or daughter. Week one, we're starting off with Tommy Bowden. Uh, We already recorded it. Uh, we discuss, uh, you know, growing up as the son of Bobby Bowden, coaching against Bobby Bowden in the Bowden Bowl, coaching with Bobby Bowden. Uh, so the Coach's Kids, new project. Awesome. Going to have some national appeal. Well, make sure you put it Florida.
4: on put it on social media, get it out there, and obviously I'll, I'll get it out there for you guys the best I can. That sounds right. like a great show. All right. Yep. Sure. Thank you, Rennie. Thanks, guys.
1: We'll have see you. Night. Have a great weekend. All right. Thanks, Bye-bye. You're a minute, man. You got it. All right, guys. Uh love Rennie. He's the best, and uh that's why he's – on that big network, the, the worldwide leader, ESPN. Guys, I know we've got a uh, interview coming up with uh, Pete Medhurst, one of our friends who's been with us for a long time. Um, with uh, you and Matt, uh, did a great job with him, recorded that earlier. But uh, do you have any other thoughts before we go to that interview?
0: Uh, Pete Medhurst from Navy, seems like I always miss him whenever you guys interview him. Yeah, I haven't, he, talked, I haven't he, talked to Pete they, in years.
2: No, he had to go to he had to go well, to Dublin, he, Ireland. He was flying way. out to he flew out to Dublin yesterday. So you. uh with that very tight schedule, you know, Matt and I recorded with him. What was that Monday, Matt?
0: Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, right. right? Yeah, it was, yeah. Gotcha. Well, that's just interesting to me. It's just weird. I haven't talked to him in so long. Very entertaining dude. Um but, but uh I got nothing. I got nothing, sure. guys. Um I'm on I'm on I don't know if you guys are coming – are we coming back after the interview with Matt Hurst, or are we we saying our goodbyes now?
2: Well, we can go ahead and wrap it up. But um, it's something of note uh, about that interview. And, you know, Matt, I think probably knows where I'm going with this. And um, our viewers and listeners will hear this here in the next few minutes. But, um, you know, Pete voluntarily um, brought this up. uh, And that was, you know, the search for our new play-by-play voice. Um, something came up, you know, about how much, you know, he loved the Naval Academy. He said, but, and that was what kept him there. But he said, how much do I love East Carolina? You know, and th- think highly of Greenville and the pirates. He said 10 minutes before the, that position closed, I was still contemplating putting my name into the hat. Wow.
1: Well, oh, wow. We'd love to I have, you me might
0: still have an opportunity.
1: 2024 Pete, <laughs> 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 Matt and I could put a, we can – well, actually, Kyle, you help. We can help us with the T-shirts. We can have Pete Medhurst 2024, right?
0: Well, he's got to have good memories of Greenville. Every time he's come here, they've won.
1: Like 70 to – like 70 exactly. points. Like, God. Uh, except last week was
0: a close game. Eh, Medhurst, Monroe, slash
2: Bays 2024.
1: There you so, go. I'll, I'll vote for that. That guy is always entertaining, and we have a good end with him. He'll definitely be on our show a lot, so he's already on our show – and he does, he's not even the play-by-play voice for East Carolina, so he's always welcome in Greenville.
2: But speaking he, of play-by-play voices, uh, we have submitted a request. I'm trying to line up a time with Jim Zoki, the interim yeah. play-by-play voice of East Carolina football. Uh, he has agreed to come on, so now we're just working out of time. Obviously, he's extremely busy um, being hired so late. Um, he's made – multiple trips to Greenville and doing everything he can to familiarize himself with Mike Houston and, and this roster between now and, um, and next, next Saturday, nine, nine days from now.
0: It's yeah, crazy. And, qu- and quickly, I wanted to, uh, uh make a comment here. Um, uh, Two, two, two guys passed away in the last uh, 24 hours. I wanted to mention them both. And oh, yeah. I can't believe me and Stevie didn't mention Terry last night. But, uh, Terry Funk. Uh, one of my heroes, a uh, guy that I think is one of the best to ever do it, world champion in the NWA in the 70s, and then won the world championship in ECW in the 90s. 20 years in between world championships. Um, the, the, uh, the, 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 hardcore, the hardcore legend, uh, a guy that, that had the psychology of wrestling down to a science. You believed he was crazy. So RIP to Terry Funk. Also, Matt, uh, Terry Funk, good actor. Uh, you would know him yes. from uh, Roadhouse. Road you would know him from Over the Top. Uh, he did a few other movies. So uh, t- TV Terry
1: show Funk. Quantum Leap.
0: Yep. So uh, RIP to Terry Funk. Well, he Punk was one know. of the bouncers, right, in Roadhouse? Yeah. He that was. is one of my- yep. he, he was, and he was the bodyguard to the old man on Over the Top. Um, that
1: is one of my favorite. Roadhouse is one of my favorite movies. It's a high school memory uh Road you know, it was house. 16 i think it was yeah i was driving when that movie came, came out 89 you were in
0: 89 16 so, yeah and and then uh today uh very sad news uh bray that Wyatt, was weird
1: yeah i bray wasn't expecting
0: Wyatt, it. the the fiend um I, I preferred his original gimmick with the Wyatt family but um uh bray was in his 30s and hadn't been on wwe television since february um Said he was having health issues, um, but died unexpectedly today. I don't know. I don't know if they mean mental health or physical health um, things. And and if I'm wrong, I will apologize later. I'm just speculating, and maybe I shouldn't. But to me, it sounds like maybe it was a suicide. Um, hmm. But time will tell. But uh, R.I.P. to Bray Wyatt. Uh, gone way too soon. And it uh, was very shocking. Uh, yeah, the uh, the grandson of Black Jack Mulligan, the son of Mike Rotunda, and the nephew of Barry Windham. Uh, a lot of people might not realize that.
1: That's right. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, sad. That one, both of them were shocking in different ways. You know, Terry Funk is a legend, so you don't want the legends to die. Um,
0: well, Terry had been sick for a for while, while now, so I saw yeah. that coming. But, and Terry was 78, I believe.
1: So. Yeah, he was getting up there.
0: Yeah, So, but very sad to see him go, but really shocking about Bray Wyatt and thoughts yep. and prayers to uh, the uh, Rotunda family.
1: No doubt, Matt. Do you have anything uh, before we pitch it to the interview?
3: All good, fellas. Good talking to you guys. Uh, looking forward to the Navy interview here, and uh, catch up with you guys later.
1: All right, and uh, one final thing. Uh, Want to make? How about that? Uh, thank you, Bubba. Congrats to EC Women's Soccer, four nothing winners over George Mason tonight at Johnson Stadium. I don't know if they beat that record. I think it was over what eleven 1, hundred last year. Uh, when they hosted the
2: thirteen hundred for Duke and uh, Coach Gary Higgins and that excellent interview that he and or that Matt had with with he and um, Abby Sowa uh, here just within the last week and a half, two weeks definitely go back and check that out because we're just three games into the season. Uh, so excellent,
0: there, K- Kenneth continuing, continuing contributing to the show in positive ways. Bray died of heart complications from COVID. Uh, you, I, I buy. I buy half of that. Uh, they're they're wanting to put COVID again on everything again. So uh, anyway,
2: um, so but the Pirates are now one one and one. Lost the season opener to Florida uh, down in Gainesville, two to nothing. Then uh, nothing nothing against North Florida, and then tonight um, a much needed offensive explosion four to nothing in soccer that's, that's quite, a, quite a blowout
1: <laughs> yeah and also but guys they're finished uh second in the east division of the american and glad they have divisions uh we've been talking about that agnosium with uh yeah. conference realignment but hey, you uh, congratulations, think about
0: him. this think about this uh oregon state east carolina in baseball that, if, 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 if oh man
1: happens. oh man i would love that corbellis oh my gosh that would be talk about a trip to go to for sure
2: and then, obviously, a few nights ago, um, I guess Monday, um, we visited with Aaron McMahon, taking a look at the Michigan Wolverines. He is their beat writer for the Ann Arbor News and MLive.com. dot com, also the the Wolverine Confidential podcast. So uh, definitely go back and check that out. Uh, he was he's an excellent guest, you I mean, uh, know, and very appreciative of us inviting him to come on. I reached out after the fact, and yes, and he was. Hey, hey, if you guys are uh, in the press box next Saturday and be sure to stop and say hello. And then also we caught up with, um, or you, you had just another sports podcast where myself, Kyle and Stevie, um, the primary host of that show and Matt Cemenzo, Um well, I guess just the three of them rather, I was just producing, but they, they took a look at the ECU defense, um, so talented and just we'll see how things come together on that side of the ball. And then uh, also last night, we caught up with Billy Embody, SMU's beat writer for On3Sports. So a lot of good content. Um, absolute empowerment with Jeff Connors will make its return, because I know we were discussing that on a recent show. Right. But it will uh, make its return Monday, September 4th, when Terrence Copper, T-Cop, former Pirate wide receiver, and uh, Kansas City Chief, New Orleans Sane, et cetera, uh, will – Come on to talk pirate football, among other things, with his former strength and conditioning coach.
0: And Matt is Matt is lining up a big guest for us. Matt, you, you're going to tell him who you're going to get on when you when you uh, meet her next month. Matt's leaving me hanging after I <laughs> pitch it to him. Who am I getting, Kyle? Sorry, I'm not I don't hate hey, you. You get to meet her next month. You tell me, brother.
3: To be continued. Uh, we'll leave it at that one, right? To be continued. You have no idea what I'm talking about. For next month, you said you're meeting her next month. You
0: text me today.
3: Oh, I'm meeting Kyle's uh, Kyle's
0: girlfriend. Yes, that's right. At a uh, yep, exactly.
3: Danielle Harris, right, Kyle?
0: Correct, Danielle Harris. I wish she was my girlfriend. Uh, Danielle, uh, uh, Matt is meeting Danielle Harris at a uh, horror con next month, so I'm 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 tasking him with the responsibility of getting her on the podcast.
3: <laughs> imagine
0: that you well, can do you know, it I mean, man, you, you I, do it, man. I believe you can do it just just tell her tell her that I that, that you know you're a huge fan, I'm a huge fan tell her I tell her I've been a fan of her since Halloween four, and it's not creepy because I was younger than her when she was in that movie, so um it, you know she needs to come on a sports podcast uh, around'd be great to have her on in October,
1: right especially the end of October near Halloween, yep. but uh, by the way, Kyle,
0: I'll
3: do it.
1: Tomorrow night, myself, we also have a a great, what a legend, North Carolina High School Athletic Association Hall of Famer, Coach Hale Robinson. We'll do the uh, Martin County football game. We're hosting Aiden Grifton, the Chargers, and Paul Cornwell. I know Bubba had a chance to catch up with Coach Cornwell and had a chance to catch up with Coach Mike Sartain, making his home debut, and that's tomorrow night. Airtime is at 640. Want to give a shout-out to Bubba. And also, I want to give a shout-out to Sir Charles Smith, who will be on-site engineering. Uh, that's going to be a great t- time tomorrow night, Friday night, at uh, Friday Night Football, starting at 640, right here on the Sports Objective Network. Ford. And, uh, guys, uh, I know at some point maybe you can help me with the uh, – we'll do also um, the halftime.
0: Yeah, we're, we are. We are. We're going to, me, and, me and we're going to get together. We're going to have a Pirate Preview recorded. Uh, as the season gets going uh, for halftime each week for the Martin County football games. And, uh, Dave, I might get with you on something else, too, that I have in mind to participate uh, on the Friday nights I can for, for those okay. games. I'll get with you on that. And uh, and we, we need to get the word out. Let, let everybody know. And, you know, Dave, did you get any flyers, man? we we, we got to get this posted up at Porky so people know where to find Martin County football in Martin County. We do need
1: to do that, yeah. We do um, need to do
0: that. Um, you know, this is if, – if you – look, hey – if you're listening to this you've you live in Martin County, get the word out that uh, Martin County football is being streamed on the Sports Objective on YouTube and Facebook each and every Friday night.
2: And if you're part of the Aiden Grifton program, um, I, I certainly shared the link and told um, Coach Cornwell that and he and his assistants, et cetera, can you know, pass that uh, link around and share it with um, their parents and so forth. Um, you know, But if you if you're tuned in and you're – an Aiden Grifton Charger fan and supporter of that program or just love Eastern North Carolina high school football, uh, we would appreciate any help. Uh, You can provide sharing that link and and letting folks know they can listen to that game on the Sports Objective YouTube channel. Yeah, and and I
0: just think for for Martin County, it's just in that area, it's just a matter of getting people to know that's where they can find the game. I think people will listen once they know where to find it
1: that's right it's a different basically (laughs) uh basically what's going on is uh with our show is obviously it's on facebook and youtube it's a different way of consuming high school football but we're doing that so we can get a broader reach and we uh, our signal you know our very own friend of the show patrick johnson bragged by the way guys about how good our show sounded uh he was listening around the state different friends calling games and he was bragging about um how good being that it was high school football, so uh, appreciate uh, PJ and a lot of people are uh, saying that. That's the one thing we just got to get the word out, like you said.
2: And throughout the 2023 football season, anytime we have you know any question whatsoever, be it be it high school, college, NFL, and you know as it pertains to officiating and the rules of the game, we will call on Justin Butts, and he, he is our officiating rules guru.
1: I need, but Justin, I need all the help I can get. So that'll be fantastic. You can just uh, chime in and help me out whenever there's uh, some calls that uh, we're not sure about. So, anyway, all right, uh, guys, uh, Bubba, do you want to? I guess we can go to it now. Kyle, thank you so much. I'll get out of here as well. And Bubba, I know you guys had a chance to sit down with Pete Medhurst right before he was boarding the plane in Dublin.
2: Yeah, Matt Simmons and I caught up with him. Um yeah, he was he was still in the States, but uh, right. you know, uh headed out to Dublin today. but um, we caught up with him on Monday afternoon to talk about that matchup. Brian Newberry's debut against the thirteenth ranked Fighting Irish in a sold out stadium in Dublin, Ireland. And it uh, should be quite the uh quite the scene and first game of the twenty twenty three college football season, at least in the FBS ranks, and let's go to the beginning of that interview right now. And right now on the Inside Slant, very excited to be joined by the play-by-play voice of the Navy midshipman, Pete Medhurst, as we preview the Navy-Notre Dame game in Dublin. Pete, welcome back in.
5: Always going to be with you guys, and happy football New Year.
2: Yeah, glad that it's week zero, finally have some college football. Seven games taking place this weekend. Obviously, Navy making that – Seven or so hour flight across the pond taking on Notre Dame, I believe for the 96th time in program history. Last year, close call in Baltimore, that furious comeback, 35-32, Notre Dame was the final. And this year, the Fighting Irish, obviously very high expectations, maybe even a dark horse, in uh, some folks' opinion, to um, maybe contend for a playoff spot, and uh, they're bringing in Sam Hartman, so a year two of Marcus Freeman, but you know, speaking of head coaches, and um, Brian Newberry taking over for Ken New Neumatololo. How's that transition going? And uh, what can you tell us as we head into game one of the Newberry era?
5: Well, I mean, uh, what, a, what a great opponent to make your debut against. I mean, you know, if you win the game, uh, you're the toast of the college football world uh, coming up on Saturday. So, uh, look, I mean, I've got no – I you know, it's just like I told you all about Mike when he took over down there. I mean, I know Brian's going to do a good job here. Ultimately, ultimately, what's going to make us sink or swim is the business of college football. Uh, You know, right now, the business of college football is trying to desperately uh, to go to a model uh, that is might as well be called professional. And, you know, there's still standards at the service academies. There's academic standards at Notre Dame, Uh, places like Wake Forest, uh, where, you know, they don't necessarily, you know, reduce those academic standards. And every one of those teams has found a way to still somehow manage to play a good level of college football. And uh, I would expect that level to stay there under Brian uh, Newberry and his staff. Um, I trust these men implicitly. I like what they've done with the staff. And um, uh, the players uh, have had nothing but glowing things to say uh, about what has happened with Coach. Because when you, just like when Kenya Matalolo filled the shoes of Paul Johnson, Brian Newberry now knows, you know, you, you're you filling the shoes of the man that won more games than anybody else at the Naval Academy. And the expectation uh, by this coaching staff is to still win every game. And that's what they're going to Dublin to do on Saturday, and that's to try and uh, knock off one of the uh, nation's nationally ranked powers. Pete, you know, Coach
3: Ken, he was there for such a long time. He had such a great uh, record of success with Navy. Uh, obviously Brian Newberry steps into the head coaching role. He has been on staff for a while, tremendous defensive coordinator. What are some of the differences you've observed, you know, this off season between the two styles, coach Ken and and coach Newberry?
5: You know, I'll I'll be honest with you. I don't believe in terms of their styles, there's a lot of difference. Um, There's an incredible accountability. There's a feeling of family. Um, those were two staples under Ken Uh, If anything, I mean, you know, philosophically, you know, there's some new concepts that are being introduced to complement uh, triple option concepts. But other than that, you know, hey, there's a reason why Ken Niamatololo hired Brian Newberry. Um, you know, loved his football acumen. Uh, obviously, he's a great man of character. And those are those are two things that you have to have uh, to be a successful coach, uh, at the United States Naval Academy. And I think Brian's, uh, time here, um, he has shown certainly on his side of the football that his acumen for the game is top notch. I mean, there's a reason why power five school, power five schools were, uh, you know, trying to acquire him to be their defensive coordinator. Um, some of them, you know, with multiple commas, uh, in their offers and, you know, he loves Annapolis. Um, And he wants to stay here. He sees himself as someone uh, that could stay here for an awful long time, Uh, just like uh, Coach Niamatololo did, just like Coach Welsh did back in the the 70s before he went to Virginia. So uh, I think that's ultimately, if you're a Navy fan, that's what you like to hear, a guy that is bought into your job, that he's not you know, a guy that's looking to use Navy as a stepping stone to get somewhere else. Brian's already had that opportunity, and he's chosen to stay at the Naval Academy.
2: While their style overall is very similar. Uh, one thing that is going to be different, uh, as Coach Newberry mentioned on our show back a few months ago, early in the summer, is the uh, approach to the offense. Yes, they're still going to run the option, but there are going to be some different variations there. And he's bringing in Grant Chesnut from um, from Kennesaw State to do so. Uh, tell us about how that transition's gone. And then I know off the air we were discussing the quarterback battle. So where does that stand?
5: Yeah, I mean you're going to see you're going to see both guys that have gotten the bulk of work in camp so far, Ty Lovati and Blake Horvath. You're going to see both of those guys on Saturday, I'm convinced of that. Watching them both in practice, they have adjusted to the additional concepts. As I've told people, the fullback dives not going anywhere. We got two really good fullbacks uh in uh, Daba Fafana, Alex Teksha. They're going to be terrific. Uh, you're going to utilize those guys because they're two very good football players. We're st- we've still got really fast slot backs. We're going to utilize those guys, um, you know, kind of stinks to lose Mikel Hayward to, Hay- to Appalachian state, but you know, he's a great football player and and good luck to him uh, down with app state. But uh, we've got plenty of kids that are, you know, ready for the opportunity to play at slot. And uh, we've got a quarterback room. That's pretty deep. Uh, it really is. I mean, they've done a great job in recruiting. We're lucky to have a couple of veterans in Ty Lovatai and Xavier Arline who have played, who can go in there, uh, and they're not going to be wowed by the moment. Um, The other other quarterbacks, the only only strike against them is they don't have any game experience. Uh, They're very talented, though, and that's what you're looking for is ultimately, you know, talent wins games, and if you don't have it, you don't win. Uh, They've done very good at this uh, position. Ivan Jasper's done a great, great job in getting them ready to play. Uh, I'll be excited to see what they do uh, coming up on Saturday. Pete, you know, you look back at that Notre Dame game from last
3: year and uh, what a game it was maybe actually um, uh, outgun them in terms of total yards and also held Notre Dame to just 66 yards rushing, which again, going back to New, Newberry, that's pretty damn impressive. Pete, um, I would suspect that Notre Dame is going to try to run the football in this game. What are your thoughts on that?
5: Yeah, I mean, look, you got you got a great offensive tackle and all out there. I mean, that's a first-round pick in the NFL draft. Estimates a terrific talent uh, at running back. And let's face it, you have to acknowledge Sam Hartman. I know A.T. Perry's not out there at South Bend with him, but you have to acknowledge Sam Hartman. Uh, your secondary's got to stay disciplined and back, uh, you know, where, where they're supposed to be. So you would you would figure Alt and Estime are really going to be, uh, you know, an emphasis on what Notre Dame is going to do. I mean, Marcus coached with Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. Luke is a huge believer in the run game, being physical. Uh, and, look, let's face it, I mean, as good as those teams were at Cincinnati, the offensive line talent at Notre Dame is even better. So he's going to look to take advantage of that, I'm sure. Uh, and, look, let's face it, if you can run the football effectively, that's just going to make life even easier for Sam Hartman. Uh, during the course of this season. The question ultimately is who at Notre Dame turns into his A.T. Perry. Can Navy get pressure on him like they did in the second half where John Marshall just abused Notre Dame in the second half last year? Uh, That's ultimately going to be the challenge for Navy is getting pressure on Sam Hartman when he goes back to pass in this game because, as we've all seen, with plenty of time to throw, Sam Hartman is a marksman out there, and uh, he is one of college football's best at that position.
2: Tell us about some of the guys on the defense That make this defense uh, have such high expectations And you know, who, who are some of the leaders at each level?
5: Well, we're, do- we're deep up front we, we might have the best defensive line in the American um, With Donald Berniard, Jacob Busick, and Clay Cromwell Cromwell and Berniard were so good both playing the nose That they moved Cromwell over So they could both be on the field at the same time Josh Reed has really stepped up in uh, position over with Busick So we're deep there, and we're good there. Linebackers, our two middle linebackers are terrific players. Will Harbour and Colin Ramos, uh, those guys are, again, I I believe in terms of middle backers, they potentially are as good as anybody in the American. It's where, you know, what do we do at the striker position, which is kind of like our playmaking position on defense where John Marshall vacates, you know, with Xavier McDonald, and uh, Jackson uh, Sanders, you know, those are two guys that are going at that position. They've got a chance uh, to play, and you know, we'll see. I mean, if they if they even give Navy half the production that John Marshall did, um, the Mids are going to be okay. You know, you've got a, a secondary that's got experience. Rayon Lane is one of the best, uh, you know, DBs in the in the American, and um, looking forward to another big season uh, from him. Ultimately, with us, can our secondary stay healthy? It got beat up a little bit last year, and the good news is some of those guys that are playing got to play because the secondary got beat up, and one of the guys that was really good for a short period of time last year before he got hurt was Deshaun Peel. He's back and ready to go uh, at a corner spot. So, I mean, you you got a lot of guys on the defensive side that have played, and that's one of the reasons why. Uh, Brian Newberry and, and defensive coordinator P.J. Volkers are so excited about um, what what potentially this defense uh, can be this coming season.
3: Yeah, absolutely fascinating matchup for me. You know, when you look at Sam Hartman versus Newberry, you know, I, Hartman is a legitimate Heisman candidate, tremendous player. He can beat you in so many ways. Pete. He can beat you with his feet. He can beat you with his arm. Um, so I'm really looking forward to see how Newberry chooses to defend him. You know, I mean, I still have nightmares about how Newberry defended us last season. Unfortunately, (laughs) I won't say a word about that, but um, you know, he's, he's excellent at, you know, Newberry's tremendous at game planning and then implementing that game plan and trying to shut people down.
5: You know what he does and he's not married to uh, a specific formation or philosophy, You know, it's not, we're going to show up, you know, and we're always going to line up this way because our people are better than yours. We're not Clemson. Uh, You know, we, we're not Georgia. We just can't line up with our 11 guys in the same formation every week and, and go get you that way. Um, But yeah, I mean, what he does from a game planning standpoint and look, just like Brian was at Navy as a defensive coordinator. I think PJ Volker is a rising star in this profession. You know, I kid him all the time right now and I'm not really kidding, but, I told him, I said, if you ever get a head coaching job, I'm coming to work in your recruiting department. Um, You know, because I I would work for either one of those guys every day of the week. They're two of the most dynamic football coaches I've ever met in my life. You have one-on-one conversations with these guys where you're not interviewing them, but you're just talking football. You learn, but you also, you get the game from a different perspective. You get it from how they see it because the best coaches see the game in a way that not everybody else does. They game plan for it in a way that not everybody else does. That's what separates, in my mind, the really good football coaches from the guy that's, you know, happy to go six and six, make a couple of bowl games. You know, he goes to all the luncheons and everything, and everybody shakes your hand. Hey, coach, are we going to are we going to Bermuda for that bowl game this year? Are we going to, you know, Tennessee for this bowl game? Or are we going to the Gator Bowl? Whatever. You know, these are guys that see the game in a different way that make them difference makers. And that's why I'm so high on this staff that they've been able to put together. Um, I think when you talk offensive football with Grant Chestnut, you see a guy that, you know, has, he thinks about the game in a beyond the basic level. I mean, you know this, Matt. I mean, if you, if you just try to attack basically in football now, you can't win. You're not going to beat good teams just being basic in football. It's what can you do specific to stopping that team every week that gives your team a chance to win. And that's where I think these men make a difference. It's just like when Mike took over down there. Mike thinks about this game in a little bit of a different way. I mean, go back and watch his teams at James Madison and how they perform against Power 5 teams. You know, you got Virginia Tech people out here that – you know, making fun of James Madison and everything. I want to ask the Virginia tech people, What the hell have you won lately? So, you know, I, I look at what Mike has done at James Madison and now at East Carolina and what they've been able to do at James Madison after Mike left because of what he built. And, you know, I mean, that, that's why, that's why coaches like that are always going to be in demand because they can come into any situation to make a difference. And that, that's why I think Brian Newberry and his staff are going to do uh, just fine here at Navy.
2: Appreciate your time this afternoon, Pete. A couple more questions for you. Um, First games, you know, season openers can be very intriguing. Um, You know, things that uh, you know typically may not be the case um, do play a role. Um, And special teams are certainly always important, but they're magnified even more in a season opening game. I think back last year, East Carolina had it not been for special teams, would have beaten number thirteen NC State. Yes. Um, but you know what? What what can you tell us about the special teams matchup in well, I mean, in this game?
5: Hey, you know that. I mean, and, and look, Owen, Owen, Owen Daffer can kick the football a mile. Okay, we saw that in the game in Annapolis two years ago when that ball would have been good from seventy that he hit to beat us at the buzzer. Okay, think about that. There were two opportunities. I mean, if if they should have beaten us, they should have beaten us. If he makes kicks, they beat us. They beat NC State. Season looks completely different. And you know what? My guy, Keaton Mitchell, who's turning up at Ravens camp right now, it w- probably is a draft pick if they're an even more high-profile team uh, th- than last year. That's how, I, that's how I feel about the way their season went down there. Uh, their season should have produced even fruitier results for them. Should have been much more fruitful uh, than what they got out of that. But you're right. Special teams make such a huge difference. We have the best punter in the conference. Uh, Riley Reithman, no doubt about it. Um, the guy kicks missiles. He's going to be fine. Uh, I think our kicking game is going to be fine. We're experienced in both places. Uh, that helps us. And uh, ironically enough, if we ever, if it ever got down to it, if the football ever wanted to get creative and have like a long driving contest or a putting contest, our punter Riley Reithman is a scratch golfer too. So we, we we could beat you in a creative tiebreaker way uh, if you wanted to do that. But I, I believe we're going to be fine on special teams. Uh, the question ultimately, you know, is is Can you snap the ball, you know, is your field goal PA two unit, you know, we've had so many good long snappers at the Naval Academy for the last 15 years. You almost take it for granted that the operation has been so good, but uh, again, very high on our special teams because of the experience uh, that we have with Riley Riley Reithman and Evan Warren uh, at those positions.
3: So Pete, you're obviously making another trip back to Dublin. Uh, I'm very jealous right now. I'm not going to lie. It's a bucket list trip for me. Uh, Pete, what do you have planned? I, you know, put football aside for a minute. What do you have planned? I know, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, eating a lot of shepherd's pie, uh, maybe a few pubs. You know, what, what's on the docket for you?
5: You know, that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, might, when we go on the road, you know, I, I like to kind of keep it basic, especially going to a foreign country, man. I'm, I, I like to kind of stay close to the vest. <laughs> As an American citizen abroad right now, um, But, it, it, look, Dublin's an unbelievable place. It's like Annapolis on steroids, and you have the people over there just could not be nicer. Uh, just a pleasant uh, part of the country uh, in 2012 when we went over there. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to more of the same this time. I mean, the Naval Academy, I mean, you know, I obviously – you all had a job opening. Um, and I, I gotta be honest with you. I knew the deadline was June 1st and 1150 on May 31st. I'm sitting there. I'm still, I was still thinking about it. Um, you know, you know, because I know Jeff was an institution down there and I love, I love the area down there. I think, one, I think you, your fan base is one of the most loyal and spectacular in all of college sports but the Naval Academy has afforded me incredible opportunities. Um, It's been such a, for, this is starting my 26th year as part of the broadcast team in some capacity. And, you know, they've been incredibly loyal to me and, you know, because of the great opportunities that we have, I mean, we're going to broadcast the game over there. Notre Dame's not even sending its radio team. So, you know, I mean, that, that kind of tells you how, Navy continues to do things in a first-class way, no matter what the business of college football uh, continues to throw at us. And, you know, I, I'm looking forward to that, looking forward to representing the Naval Academy. And, you know, if we get out, you know, about with a lot of guys on our broadcast team and, you know, we, we usually go out to dinner at least one night in uh, a place that's local to that area. We stay away from chains, uh, chain restaurants. Um, and I'm sure we'll we'll do that and have some fellowship and then obviously get ready for Uh, what's uh, one of college football's best rivalries that has withstood the test of time and had COVID not interrupted it um, would still be uh, one of the uh, longest uh, running uh, uh, inter-conference matchups uh, in all of college football so there's nothing there's nothing quite like it you know I mean I tell people all the time if you haven't been to South Bend um, you guys know it East Carolina obviously has come to Annapolis now so you you guys know what that's like uh, talking to East Carolina fan base but You know, look, I mean, if you've never been to South Bend to watch a game, you got to you got to do it. And, you know, these two teams right now, uh, the fact that they have the marketing power uh, to be able to take a game to Dublin. You know how look, you know, Notre Dame's all about the cash. You know that. So this is a home game for them. They're giving up in South Bend to go play in Dublin. And very few programs in college football have that international marketing capacity to do a game like this and Navy in Notre Dame, obviously are two of those uh, uh, lucky programs to be able to do that.
3: And Pete, this game is a sellout from what I understand, which is very impressive considering it's overseas.
2: Yeah.
5: I mean, look, think about it. I mean, look at how much the NFL has invested now in Europe. I mean, we got games in Germany. Obviously they've been playing in England for a while. Um, there is a hunger for international football over there. They play football over there. There's a kid. I used to coach in youth league baseball who played D three football at Waynesburg in Pennsylvania. And he is now playing pro football in England right now. So there is a, there is a hunger for this stuff um, over there. And Aviva stadium is beautiful. We played one of the very first events in there. Um, It was built for uh, rugby and it's just an incredible, uh, it's an incredible stadium. So, you're uh, you you you're talking about going over there. It's going to be a first-class environment. Um, you know, the Aer Lingus people have been spectacular, uh, you know, from a sponsorship uh, and detail standpoint. So because these two schools, if you're not – if you don't deal with them in a first-class manner, these two schools are not afraid to tell you thanks but no thanks. And you, these people have uh, had an incredible working relationship with us the first time in 2012, and obviously have extended – Um, that amazing courtesy again here uh, for another game between uh, these two great rivals.
3: Now, Pete, just to rewind to our conversation a few minutes back, I got to bring this one back up. So I know you mentioned the Jeff Charles opening for the play-by-play voice. Pete, I'm going to make it my mission. I know you're very happy at Navy, all right, (laughs) but we're going to see if we're going to put on our recruiting hats this year and uh, see what we can do to get you down in Grievo. What do you think, Pete?
5: (laughs) Well, here's the one good thing you have going for you. Eventually, eventually my wife wants to live somewhere south of Maryland. So you got, you got the, you have the most important part taken care of. Um, So, you know, I got a daughter that plays softball uh, right now. Who's a sophomore in high school. So, you know, I got a, I I probably have at least two more years probably here uh, at minimum, but Hey, you never know for the for the right, um, you know, for the right price. Uh, as, as my guy Ted DiBiase always used to say, <laughs> "Everybody's got a price."
3: You hey, ha- happy wife, happy life, my friend. You know, that's no, how no doubt
5: goes. about it. And you know, I mean, East Carolina's got a terrific softball program, so uh, it wouldn't be hard to get my daughter interested in that. She's a pitcher and a uh, she's got a little bit of power, so. She's got that. She's got that going for it too. So uh, she, she can hit the ball a little bit. So hopefully she can continue to grow uh, in her game, and uh, maybe maybe one day she can get a little scholarship aid. Uh, one of those twelve point one, part of those 12.1s that softball uh, as a sport gets out there uh, in Division One softball. More importantly, she's got a four point five seven GPA. So they're going to give her a lot of academic
2: aid, no matter where she
5: goes. Beautiful,
2: Pete. I'll give you a second reason. Eastern North Carolina barbecue.
5: Oh, it's phenomenal. Come on. Look, I told y'all. Look, wait a minute. Hold on. Stop right there. You don't have to entice me with food because East Carolina and Memphis are 1 and 1A in the American Athletic Conference when it comes to food in the press box. Nobody else is close. It's Memphis and East Carolina. There are no substitutes. You must have press food at both of these places. It's It's far and away the best meal you'll ever have in your life.
2: <laughs> That's great. Bubba, go ahead. Really appreciate your time this afternoon, Pete, and coming on the show on a moment's notice before you fly out in a couple of days. Um, tell folks how they can tune into the game and then also you know, how they can follow you on social media.
5: Yep, very easy on the uh, whatever you want to call it, X... <laughs> what's up Muskie? uh s x it's great now uh at pete medhurst um instagram is pete underscore medhurst you can even find me on tiktok at pete on sports now uh i venture into all kinds of different genres of social media that's how we have to uh make our existence now and obviously folks on uh, sunday can uh go to the naval academy website Sports.com, and click on the listen link uh to get our radio broadcast as i said notre dame's radio not going we are Uh, So we'll be there on Saturday live uh, to uh, describe all the action from Aviva Stadium coming up on Saturday.
3: Awesome. Thanks so much, Pete. As always, we appreciate your time. Uh, I hope you have a great trip to Dublin. You know, good luck to the Naval Academy and uh, look forward to catching up with you later on in the season.
5: You got it. See you guys in November. Take care, my friend. Yeah.
2: Appreciate his time as always. Pete Medhurst. Hopefully the midshipmen uh, will be able to put a scare uh, and then some into number 13 Notre Dame as the Middies are nearly a three-touchdown dog in Dublin. Uh, Also appreciative of uh, Rini Angolia spending a little over an hour of his time with us as he is up in New Jersey, uh, not too far from Philly, uh, calling a a big high school game in Philly this weekend, uh, top 15 or even top 10 matchup. Uh, so definitely check that out on the ESPN Family and Networks. But for Kyle Barber, Matt Semenza, and Dave Richmond, I'm Bubba Rosenbaum. You've been watching and listening to the Sports Objective. You know, be sure to follow us on social media, on X at the Sports OBJ, on Instagram and TikTok at the Sports Objective. Like and follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll talk to you soon here on the Sports Objective. And as always, go pirates.